Hi, I'm Caleb True, and this is the Dynamo Verlag podcast. Dynamo Verlag is a boutique publisher of poetry and fiction, demonstrating genius, eclecticism, and originality. On this podcast, we interview awesome writers and poets, and they share selections from their work. On today's episode, I talked to Jess L. Parker, who won Dynamo Verlag's 2020 book contest last winter. Her winning collection of poetry, Star Things, will be published this fall, 2021. Star Things is a powerful debut, both epic and minute all at once, lyrical. It pulls the stars to earth and elevates the quotidian to cosmic heights. Here's Jess. Jess Parker. I'm originally from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in the Gladstone area on the lake. And I've been living in Madison, Wisconsin for about 10 years. When did you have the inclination to put pen to paper creatively? Yeah, that's a really great question. It's one that I often have reflected on because I think every writer has some similar journey to look back on and try to identify the moment when they felt that they would consider themselves a writer. For me, I've always been writing poems in some shape or form, even before I had the language to describe what I was doing. So I was writing poems really at an early age, like four or five years old, and also music. I would sit my parents down and torture them with little songs and short things that I had written, sometimes that were uh, musical and other times not. So for me, it's really been a long evolution of doing those activities early on as a child and not necessarily having a name for them. Over time, I would say I identified as a writer more definitively during my undergraduate work at Northern Michigan University when I was able to take some poetry and creative writing classes for the first time and really start to sink my teeth into poetry and fiction also, although Mm. I, I tend to gravitate more toward poetry. So around those years, I would say I started to transition from thinking of poetry as an activity that I did to part of my identity as a Mm. writer. Uh, What were some of your earliest favorite books? As a child, I would say it was more music that inspired me to write. Mm -hmm. I can remember music being my first inspiration for lyrics and poetry. I grew up listening to a lot of old country music, so Mm. Patsy Cline, um, Mm -hmm. Reba McIntyre, and some of the traditional Dolly Parton is a great fist as well that I admire. Mm -hmm. As I got a little bit older, I then fused that more with pop music. I can remember sitting down and learning all of the words to a lot of the Cranberries songs, which Mm. I still really enjoy and I think have heavily influenced my writing. Once I got more into reading and academia, Walt Whitman was one of the first poets that I picked up and his connection to nature, I think, resonated with me as well. In college, what resonated with me most was actually fiction. Uh-huh. I did read a lot of poetry, but I went through a lot of surveys of literature where I'm reading some older poetry, which felt more like an academic activity for me. And I mm. certainly appreciated it, but I didn't necessarily feel as connected to it creatively. Mm-hmm. So going through that time period in undergrad, Don DeLillo, especially White Noise, is Mm, a book that I've returned to and really enjoyed and found a lot of inspiration in. Also, Jeffrey Eugenides, Middlesex, and The Virgin Suicides. Mm -hmm. 
has been uh, another author that I've turned back to over time. Do you play an instrument? I do write music. I mm-hmm. don't play an instrument. I'm mm-hmm. a vocalist, so that's mm-hmm. my instrument, I guess gotcha. you could yeah. say. Yeah. And my husband plays the guitar, so we do write music. Nice. And nice. we've done for a long time as a hobby. Cool. So definitely something that I've done along with my writing is you know, the, the more lyrical yeah. side of the music, which I think can show through in some of my poetry as well. Some of the work in form and, and end rhyme, which is pretty bold uh, to do. I think uh, Austin Hummel sort of mentioned the same thing, or was it Stephen Byrne about how that's unusual these days um, in contemporary poetry? Oh, I think it was Austin yeah, was yeah. commenting on the voice <laughs> being... <laughs> still alive in poetry yeah that i can carry the torch exactly yeah and it, yeah coming from a songwriting background that totally makes sense i think the only poetry i ever really wrote was songs and song related and so uh, i can see that in the collection for you, sure you did ask about poetry though and i didn't necessarily answer your question mm, so i mm-hmm. want to circle back to that yes definitely Although I think I got most of my inspiration from my youth in music and fiction, over time I definitely have latched on to some poets that I feel inspire me and resonate with my work. Specifically, Amber Tamblin mm-hmm. is an actress and writer. She has a phenomenal collection called Dark Sparkler. And I took a lot of inspiration from her, not literally thematically speaking with star things, but with the strength of the female voice that she has in Dark Sparkler that Mm -hmm. I hope comes through in Star Things. And then another one that I return to time and time again is Pablo Neruda. He has a whole collection of odes about mundane, quotidian things like Ode to a Lemon. And I like to think of Star Things in that way as well, that it's really diving into these moments that are often ignored as daily mundane tasks and elevating them. That's definitely there. That's super cool. What about right now? post-schooling, what are some of your favorite influences fiction-wise? So I'm really big into audiobooks because I feel it's a great way to fill some of the empty space driving or, you know, getting ready for the day. Mm -hmm. I just finished Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder, Uh a writer out of the Midwest, and the book is phenomenal. I think it actually was just released this summer, so it's really recent and fresh, and it definitely comes through in the text. And it follows a mother who is convinced that she's turning into a dog. Yeah. It's beautiful and surprising and strange. And so that is the most recent thing that I've read that's still on my mind. That's cool that it's an audiobook already. That's awesome. I definitely have a thing where I, I love someone reading to me. So that's kind of how I've gotten back into audiobooks as an adult. But um, that's a thing where I, I feel like in almost any circumstance, I prefer someone to be reading me a book rather than coming to it silently. I really enjoy that as well. The downside can be if maybe you don't connect with the voice of whoever the reader is, that can be a little bit obstructive to get into the text. But one thing that I haven't tried that I've had on my list to do is audio books of poetry. I tend to read the poetry and have the physical book, and I would be really interested to see how that changes the experience with an audio book. I don't think I've ever listened to an audio book of poetry. That must be even more divisive as far as like, whether or not you connect with the way it's read. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Right. And I feel with poetry that it's so rhythmic, mm -hmm. or at least it can be, that the reader can really make or break that experience. There's just so many opportunities for someone to interpret it differently than than you would. I guess it matters too if you're coming to something you're already familiar with or not. Like, (laughs) if you heard it first, maybe maybe it would be super weird to then see it and, and yeah. You mentioned uh, University of Northern Michigan. What did you do uh, after undergrad? Yeah, so during my undergraduate time, I double majored in English and Spanish. So I've always spent a lot of time with the languages. 
Mm -hmm. After undergrad, I came to Madison, Wisconsin to finish my master's degree of Spanish literature at Mm UW-Madison. So that's really what brought me to Madison and ended up loving the area, sticking around, and have been here for just over 10 years. Nice. Uh, What are some of your favorite uh, Spanish authors? Yeah, we talked about Pablo Neruda, and so I definitely have to mention him again because I do continue to return to his work. Yeah. But some others, um, Adelaida Garcia Morales Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is a fiction writer out of Spain, and she has some phenomenal books. Um, El Silencio de las Sirenas, which Mm -hmm. is The Silence of the Sirens, is one that is beautifully done. It's about loss and longing, great use of language. I actually have... uh, plan to read a translation in English. I've only ever read it in Spanish, but I'm really curious to see Mm. how the language comes over into English. Yeah. I was just going to ask you if you had read it in Spanish or English. That's that's pretty cool. Only Spanish so far. It was part of the curriculum. And so I haven't gone back to that one in English yet, but the language was so vivid and appealing to me in Spanish that I would love to find a good translation and see how they tackled that. Cool. Do you know if it is translated? I'm sure it is, but I don't have a translated copy, so I would need to look for one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've published a few things before this, before these poems came together as a collection. Um, did you write these poems with their togetherness in mind or is this like really a book that was collected as opposed to written thematically? Yep, that's a tough question and it's one that I've been thinking about a lot now that Mm -hmm. the collection is finished. Mm -hmm. I would say yes and no. Yeah. Um, I definitely had in mind when I was writing these poems that they would end up in a collection. There's a lot of connection across them as far as motif and references to the sky and the stars and cosmic imagery so from that standpoint they are very connected yeah at the same time though it does cover a wide range of subject matter and it doesn't necessarily stick to one theme and the poems were written over the course of a little over 10 years wow so as you can imagine there are a lot of different life experiences that are influenced over that length of time period. Mm -hmm. So I think what's unique about this collection from the standpoint of how it came together is the stars are really what tethers the poems together, but they do have the freedom and flexibility to explore a different subject matter. Definitely. Uh, Do you have some favorite poems from this collection? It's hard to choose favorites with your babies, but I do. I think there are some that stand out for, you know, a number of reasons. It's not by accident that the collection starts off with Saturn Rising. Yeah. That one to me is really important as an intro poem for a few reasons. It does have a narrative quality mm-hmm. and it really is telling a story, which is maybe not always the case throughout the rest of the poems that might be more focused on a moment in time. It does a great job of setting up the motif of the sky and the stars. And what's also really important to me about Star Things as a favorite poem or and a poem to kick off the collection is the end of the poem, which yeah. suggests that there is some dichotomy between the sky and the water, and it briefly questions which one is reflecting on the other. And that question is important to me, and I believe that it shows up several other times in the book in other ways, questioning whether one surface is reflecting off of another or, you know, just questioning perspective and encouraging the reader to look both at a macro view and a micro view at the text and the themes. I try to trust my reader the way that I would want to be trusted when I'm reading something because it is 
important to me as a writer that I don't feel like I'm beating somebody over the head with a theme or, I, or an idea, but it's available there and allows the reader some freedom for exploration as well as cultivating their own meaning and interpretation. That space isn't really important to me. As, as a reader myself, I don't like to be forced into a certain interpretation. I like to have a little bit of space. Yeah, totally. I, I think this is a collection you don't have to read in order chronologically like at all. Yeah, I mean, the first poem is a really good one, but um, I think it would be just as powerful if you came to it like after a few others teasing out a theme just at random. The moon poems specifically, which are, are pretty joyful, do a good service to the theme of this collection. Yeah, the moon poems are definitely a fun project that worked its way into the book. You know, some of them, like you said, are more lighthearted. Mm -hmm. I think I tried to invent just about every word that could have moon in it. And so mm -hmm. there are some new non-words that show up in the book, which is intentional. Nice. Yeah, moon comma. <laughs> exactly. Moon yeah. fruit. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. They, uh, well, it's getting published, so um, if it gets published two more times, it'll have to uh, be in the dictionary. I think that's Webster's rule. Be on the lookout for those terms. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, coining new words—that's definitely it. It is done. That is that's a poet's work. That's great. How about movies? How about cinema? Are there films which you would consider influential to your working artistic process? Definitely. I would say even beyond movies, sometimes TV shows, mm, just a mm -hmm. moment or an image sends me off writing on something. Oh, cool. Yeah. One that comes to mind that I've watched so many times is Butterfly Effect. Not that it necessarily inspired a specific poem, but I feel like what that movie has done for me is sent me off chasing to recreate some of the feelings that that movie evokes for its viewers. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying in a poem to have the reader recognize some feeling that maybe goes overlooked day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that movie did that for me and I've tried to emulate that where I can. That's an interesting choice. That's such a early O's classic. And I think it, I don't know, I saw it quite a bit later, like after it had come out and I, I was kind of riveted by it. I wonder if that holds up, would hold up, like if I'd have the same feelings on like a second watch 10 years later. Sorry. A good idea, I would recommend it. Other TV influences though, I'm trying to think of something more specific, even more contemporary. I love to watch HBO. Yeah. I will binge out on just about anything that HBO has to offer. Totally, totally. Um, Big Little Lies was so well-crafted, strong female characters and deals with not just a single female voice, but female friendship and female relationships. And one episode in particular inspired Aquamarine, which is a poem in this collection. Yeah. And just the images of being on the beach and the questions of identity that that poem is dealing with were yeah. very much inspired by some of the images and plot in Big Little Lies. Um, what uh, what images specifically, or what, what parts of that series specifically? There's a character that returns to the beach running and jogging, and I mean, it's set in a beach town. But specifically, there's a character that returns to the beach throughout processing some trauma that she's dealt with. And so I had this idea when I was watching some of those episodes of the splitting of identity and what trauma does to the individual. Mm -hmm. And the idea that I was exploring there is really this feeling of watching yourself and hovering over yourself. Yeah, and there right. kind of is this fractured feeling of duality as opposed to a feeling of cohesion around an individual self. Yeah, that, I feel like that's very, um, with social media, that's, a very, that's something people are more aware of is like the different uh, nearnesses of a, of a self uh, within the self like looking at yourself over your own shoulder 
and then seeing yourself right. from like various distances. I feel like the newer generations just grow up completely literate and all that. Whereas I think we had to learn it. Yeah, we definitely stumbled upon it over time. Yeah. When I think about star things having taken more than a decade mm -hmm. to put together, my second collection of poetry is definitely moving at a much faster pace. And, you know, part of that is falling into a rhythm as a writer and having some processes in place. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I think, just reflects the fact that I'm not in school anymore. And so I'm not constantly reading and writing other things. Yeah. But my next collection of poems, it does have some overlap with star things. There was a point in time where I thought, you know, I'm going to write all of these star and sky poems, and then I'm going to be done, and I'll move on to something else. Uh-huh. And over time, I realized that I'm probably never going to be out of things to say about the sky and the universe. Nice, yeah. So some of that will still show up. But what's different about my next collection of poems is it's all written after I gave birth to my son, mm -hmm. which was October 2020, mm -hmm. whereas Star Things is all pre-motherhood. Ah, oh, interesting, yeah. So there's a lot of exploration of pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, mm -hmm. that gets to come into the mix. And I'm also exploring more ocean and water themes along with the sky and the stars yeah. that doesn't necessarily show up as much in star things. Getting into it that way, which is, is unique, I suppose, for contemporary poetry. I mean, maybe there's more science fiction poetry out there than I realized, but it definitely stood out to me. And I think, I think others felt the same way, the other judges. It's funny that you say that because I also would say that a lot of the poems would fall into the science fiction poetry space. And there is a pretty big community of science fiction poets, um, but... It's funny when I was writing this collection and, you know, submitting different individual poems to science fiction publications, I don't mm. know that they agree that some of my poetry is science fiction. So it is <laughs> a very subjective space. From a literary perspective, like literary poets, they'd be like, these are science fiction poems. But I could see the genre yes. itself being like, this is what we understand to be a science fiction poem. And it's just completely different. Yeah, um, some of them, I think, occupy a bit of a middle space. Uh-huh. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally. Um, if we want to do some readings, do you have any in particular that you definitely want to want to read? Yep, I can definitely read Star Things and Moonless. And then I'm just looking here. Do you mean Starry-Eyed? Oh, sorry, Saturn Rising. And then I'll I have... I know the names of my own poems. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm thinking about one or two of the end few. Saturn Rising. We had much to drink and more to climb. There was a moon rock and a radish uphill. Sliced and wide open was the sky. We wanted to see the satellite. A teetering overgrown saucer twitching, as if on its way to your tongue for a taste. A new datum. To be loved, as intricately as Saturn's rings are particular up close, and held as tightly as they are together from afar. That night was our telescope. We scraped our knees, inching toward the lens, wiping the clouds clean. To witness tomorrow poke holes through sky, flicking light on a still blue pond. Or are they pebbles on the bottom blinking up? Their reflection, a Morse code city, paging constellations with their off on. Moonless. It was dark and balmy when you abandoned. 
No speck of bright night star to guide me, nor a beckoning sky beam to anchor a bad day. You could say that I was moonless, bit a chunk of the night and couldn't chew through it. You knew it, but remained to humor me till I couldn't be humored. It was rumored you were last seen with a cocktail, mumbling on stardust, waxing tragically and moonstruck. Before falling from the earth completely, you were fumbling with your car keys. Erring on the side of agony, I wander with a ghost of gravity. Semi-circling my ache, I tie a noose around it casually. Leave it on the island where you left me, on the beach. Before the silver bleached, the lights went out completely. Sleepyhead. Tick, 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 I'm swimming. Smiling down the rim, I'm singing. Tick, tick, tick. And yesterday is just a gem that left me open, broke and lapping bubbles, soapy-throated singing, listen, tick, tick, ah. Sleepyhead is screaming and it's sick, sick, sick. All the way from that to this is further, far from what you're dreaming, from the wick. The end that burns is getting thick and this is it. Moon comma, tiny moon comma, Fuzzy pencil sketch of skyrock, overlooking and crooked like a winged nighthawk, a too long baby toe dipping, dodging the clippers, escaping those itchy scratch slippers. That moon comma punctuating the sky is making the stars cry, light that is dampened by cloud life and totally half bright, a teacher's chalk slap on the back of black backpacks, trampled by hazmat and eggshell asunder, hiding just under the cover, a nebulous lover. Wolf Moon. Wolf Moon. That big white rubber stamp on powder blue is out at noon. A crooked smile which lacks the golden hue that rules the skies at night now gawks impatiently at passers-by all holding tight to winter-withered daylight. The trees more sticks without their leaves reach up to beg for sun and receive eleven degrees. Isn't it beautiful, they say, all frost and glow? the peaks of trees and chimneys capped in snow? But what could be worse than wet and dirt? A viscous froth, exhausted cold, makes gray what once was gold. Starry-eyed. Once I prayed to shooting stars, but those fair weather friends only called for a burst of light and to eat their feelings, devouring the energy you have and holding back nothing but a black hole that sucking through its teeth cores you like an aimless apple. I began to ask, is there anyone else? And then to beg, blinking hard at the sky, too starry-eyed, with a stare that could force a planet to dwarfdom, or at least to rotate slightly, a red giant turning in his sleep. Is there anyone else? I may have shouted at the Milky Way on a night when she was especially visible, a speck of green twinkling back at me, lacquered in silence. Is there anyone? I wanted to cry. Is there? Awesome. There's definitely like an incantational quality to your poems that uh, is pretty unique. They almost feel like spells, some of them, which is really dope. And definitely not something you really get in MFA programs. I think that's the touch yeah. of rhyme that's in there that is just like, yeah, these are, these, are, these are incantations. This is cool. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because when I'm writing, I often know how the next line sounds before I know what the words are. Yeah, that makes sense to and me. And so then I'm yeah. just matching up words that 
means something because it's important to me that it means something, but I'm definitely more driven by sound. That was the poet Jess L. Parker. Her contest-winning collection of poetry, Star Things, is available from our website or your preferred venue for purchase. This has been the Dynamo Verlog podcast. This episode was mixed by me, Caleb True. Music in this podcast is courtesy of Marisfruchte. Marisfruchte's music can be found at marisfruchte.bandcamp.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, we can be reached at dynamoverlog at gmail.com. And if you dig these interviews, please rate and review. Once again, thanks for listening. Till next time.